Welcome to the Neighborhood Church Podcast. We are so thankful that you are listening in. The Neighborhood Church is all about helping people find and follow Jesus. We hope that through these podcasts you are encouraged, that you're inspired, and that you're provided with practical wisdom on how to find and follow Jesus. We hope that you enjoy today's podcast. I don't know about you, but I absolutely love Christmas as well. And I love talking about Christmas, and I love talking about the Christmas story. And um, I'm going to show you some family pictures here in a moment, but I love the music, I love the Christmas parties, I love the games, I love the gifts, I love giving gifts, I like the snow even, and the lights, and just absolutely everything, and getting together. And so these pictures that I'm going to show you of some of my Christmases and my traditions Um, The very first set, these are some really old ones. (laughs) So uh, my family, uh, when all of my siblings were there with my mom and dad at the bottom, me and my dad in the sleigh there, we used to go to the Western Development Museum every single year. Um, And that picture up there is my mom and my grandparents, and it's special because it was the very first Christmas ever in Canada. So they had moved from Wales, and this was the very, very first, very first Christmas that they ever celebrated in Saskatoon, Canada. So it means a lot to us. So, And then the next pictures, I just have a few other ones, nothing to go through in great detail. This is more what you'll see these days with my kids and my family. My dad dresses up as Santa Claus and comes to all the grandkids' house on Christmas Eve. It's been a tradition, one that they actually cherish and love. Um, So that's that. And then the last set is just kind of all the other stuff I talked about. Our staff Christmas party, concerts, Christmas Eve service, just all these different traditions with Christmas that I just absolutely adore. Um, Now your Christmas might not look like my Christmas, and that's completely fine. Um, And traditions are great, and memories are great, and most of us know what Christmas means to us personally. When you hear the word, when it's the time of the season, you have a personal memory or feeling that goes with that. Um, And most of us even know the Christmas story. Some have it memorized, or maybe know some of the story, um, or the basis of the story. Um, And then there's carols, right? Like you know every carol without even concentrating on the words, right? Little thought, it all just kind of comes to you each season. So, so much more than that about Christmas. And all these traditions are great, and there's nothing wrong with them. And uh, they're very familiar, and they get us into this Christmas spirit that we all kind of talk about. But I don't want the Christmas story to be another thing to just set the tone or the mood of Christmas. I want us to learn something new from a story that we have heard many times. I want you to receive something different from God today, like lean in and be pierced and, you know, transform and change and just really look at this scripture differently than you typically would. Because, like the sermon series is called, it's much more than a holiday. And it's also much more than a manger and a baby. And we're going to talk about that today. So Pastor John began our series last week, and he took us to Galatians chapter 4. And he talked about the fullness of time, God's perfect timing. And then he even showed us it had been prophesied hundreds of years before that, that it was going to happen. So today, I'm going to start telling you that the Christmas story does not begin in a manger. 
So I'm going to start and talk about Galatians, yes, but I'm also going to take you into the Old Testament. I'm going to, and even though these incidences are thousands of years apart, they fit together like two It's very cool. So the very first time you hear of the Christmas story, get this, is going all the way to the very first book of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, in uh, chapter 3, uh, verse 15. And um, this is why I'm going to tell you that the Christmas story does not begin in a manger, it begins in a garden. So now, let's I showed you this scripture. We're in Genesis. Adam and Eve are in this perfect paradise where they felt no shame. Then they give in to the temptation of the evil one. Adam and Eve have fallen into sin, and now God is dishing out judgment to them. And in this particular verse, he's dishing out judgment on Satan. And here is what he says. I will put hostility between you and the woman and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. So what's awesome about this is immediately after the first sin, there's an announcement of a savior. Like immediately after. God tells Satan that the one is coming, born of a woman, who will crush his head. This is the first declaration of Christmas and so powerful. And knowing that Christmas begins in the garden is not for me just to tell you some cool little fact in the Bible. Knowing that Christmas begins in the book of Genesis reminds us that God always keeps his promises. He may not keep his promises on our timetables, but he can always be trusted. The God who oversaw and planned the details of this grand story is also overseeing the stories of our lives. We are assured that God is both great and good. He is so great and so powerful that he was able to announce the plan of Christmas and then arrange all the details to beautifully orchestrate the incarnation. It's amazing. So then, when you read Galatians 4, knowing that, 4 to 5, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. So now, I absolutely love when I hear when the fullness of time came. It just means so much more. And there are many scriptures that point to this moment. But at the exact right time prescribed by God, Jesus was born. Not a moment too soon, not a moment too late. It was the exact right moment in the sovereignty of an all-wise sovereign God. It was perfect timing when Christ was born. And I think most of us can all agree that God's timing is always perfect. However, if you were to go back and talk to the many thousands of generations that had come before then, the timing may have been perfect, but it wasn't the timing maybe they would have wanted. So think about this. The promise is first spoken in Genesis 3.15 with Adam and Eve. Adam would have believed the promise. Adam most likely longed for this promise to come on the scene. But did the promise come? No. Did it ever come in Adam's lifetime? No. So what did Adam do? He passed it down to his sons, who passed it down to his sons, and it keeps going, and we get to Noah. 
And Noah longed for this to come. And Noah looked for this to come. And Noah passed it down to his sons, who then passed it down to his sons. And eventually, you get to Abraham. And Abraham believed the promise. And Abraham longed for the day. And Abraham looked for the day. But did the Messiah come in Abraham's lifetime? No. So what did Abraham do? You know where I'm going now. He gave it to Isaac, who then gave it to his sons. And it keeps going down all of the generations. And it doesn't happen in any of their lifetimes. And it just keeps getting passed down and passed down and passed down until we get to Mary. The woman that Galatians 4 is speaking about, who they're referring to. Do you think that she thought that she would see this in her lifetime? Probably not. And the next thing you know, or that she knows, Mary is sitting in Bethlehem, surrounded by animals, holding in her arms the fulfillment of the promise. And it happened at the exact right time, not a moment too soon, not a moment too late, in the fullness of time. Like, wow. So now we're going to shift our minds and our hearts to Mary. So let's listen in to Mary's story. As long as I can remember, we've been waiting for a Messiah. My family, our tribe, our whole nation. I always knew that someday he'd come. But I'm just a girl from Nazareth. I'm just your regular girl. And, and everybody knows nothing special comes from Nazareth. I thought for sure the angel came to the wrong house with his announcement. But if this is what God wanted, who was I to question him? I was scared and excited all at the same time. I was scared of what this would mean for me. What would happen to me? I always thought I had my life planned out. And now the unknown, the unexpected, this interruption totally disturbing my life. But if that was God, I would trust him and be faithful in his plan. Then there was Joseph. God bless that man. He could have joined in with everyone else. He could have sent me away. He could have had me killed. But he never broke his promise to marry me. And so when he had to go to Bethlehem for the census, I was honored to go with him and be by his side, even with the heartburn and back pain and nine months of pregnancy behind me. You wanna know how to induce labor? Go on a bumpy 70 mile trip to Bethlehem. It wasn't long after I got there and I'd never done it myself before, but I knew it was time. And in every wave of pain, I tried to ignore the fact that my family wouldn't be there to help. I'd be bringing this baby into the world without the comforts of home. But when Jesus came, I totally forgot about all of that. I 
wrapped him in cloth and made the most comfortable bed I could for him. But all we had was an animal's feeding trough. Joseph said I should have been sleeping then. But I couldn't stop staring at him. There he was. The one the angel told me about. My heart was so full, I, I can't find words big enough to express it. It was love at first sight. I know I'm not the only young woman to bring a baby into this world. It's always been that way. But as I look down at my son, my redeemer, my sleeping baby, I was holding the great I am. He'd come to make me new. All I wanted to do was love him and protect him forever. I knew he'd change everything because he'd already changed me. This child that I delivered would soon deliver me. And he will deliver you. So putting yourself in Mary's shoes, does it change how you view the Christmas story? Does looking through the eyes of someone else change how you see things? How you see them react to things around you? I believe that it does. And in these upcoming weeks, we're going to look at different people that were eyewitnesses of this event. But today, we're going to talk about Mary. So Mary, this woman, is extremely unique among all humans that have ever lived. And today, my hope is that by studying her life, your faith will grow. Your faith will be inspired because she opened her heart and received into her heart and her body Jesus. And she wants us to follow her example and open our hearts to Jesus. And why? Because when you do, when you let Jesus into your life, it will never be the same again. So now there's a lot we can learn from Mary, and I have figured that out by trying to prepare this message today, that it was really hard to narrow it down to a couple things. But I did decide on two things. God's grace and Mary's faith. We want to look at the Christmas story and look at it through Mary and what happened. We want to take this significant moment in Mary's life, but more importantly, in her faith. And this seems fitting since we lit the faith candle today in our Advent. So Mary's faith is an example for each and every one of us. So if you have a Bible or an app or a computer or whatever you want to do, we are going to spend some time in Luke chapter 1. We're going to start at verse 6. Um, but before I do that, I just feel like I have to pray. So I'm just going to pray for a minute, if you don't mind, and we'll go straight into it. So Father God, we're about to open a very familiar story to people today, Father. And I just ask that you reveal something new and exciting to each and every one of them today, Father. 
Lord, I love your word, and I thank you for your word, and I thank you for your love. And Father, as I communicate what you have given me to communicate, I just pray that they see you and not me today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Mary, giving you some background before we dig right in, would have been around 13 or 14 years old. Uh, She was a Jewish girl. She was raised in a religious, devoted family, and she lived a pretty average life. Uh, Nothing too special. She was pretty ordinary, um, except how committed she was to God at such a young age. So she was engaged, which is normal, was normal in the Jewish culture, to be engaged at 13 or 14, and then usually get married at about 15 or 16, which I know seems crazy and illegal now, but it would have been normal then, so just so everybody understands. So this young girl, she really didn't know what her future held, but she did know she was getting married, and she figured she'd be taken care of, and she was faithful and she was godly, and then all of a sudden... This event revolutionizes her life and ours, the world's, really. So, Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favor one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will receive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom there will be no end. Okay, so this would have been a little crazy, a little shocking, and not just because of what you're typically thinking, because she probably knew what the angel was saying. This angel was partially quoting the Old Testament, so as a young Jewish girl, she probably would have been familiar with the fact that there was prophecies that a Messiah was going to be born. She probably even knew that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem and to a virgin. Now, what would it be like then to figure out that you're that one? You're that one that they have been talking about for all of those years. Like, when I get picked for anything, I get excited and overwhelmed. Like, could you imagine what that would have been like when you've, yes, like through the generations and generations? It would have been so overwhelming. Like she's going to be the one who brings forth the son of the highest and of the son of the highest, it says, and his kingdom will have no end. And it's coming out of her body. Right? Like it's crazy. And then it says that that Mary found favor. Mary found grace or favor with God, but she was not perfect or without sin. And she conceived Jesus because God gave her the grace to do it. You don't give grace to someone who doesn't need it. And since she was a human, as wonderful as Mary was and as good as Mary was, she was a human, just like us. And she needed to be saved just like each and every one of us. Um, If it was God's, so it was God's grace coming into her life that enabled her to conceive. 
Jesus, who would not only come from her, but redeem her. Like, that sounds crazy, right? Like, really, really crazy. Like, when you heard Mary's story that Pastor Paige was acting out, like, she was going to deliver her deliverer, (laughs) right? Like, it sounds crazy. It's incredible, and it's powerful. And God's purpose for your life comes by grace. In other words, she didn't work to become the mother of the Messiah. She didn't earn it. It was grace. God chose to bless her with it. God has a purpose for your life, for your family's life, and it's not based on your work or your title or your role. It's based on his purpose, his grace, and his mercy. And whatever he has called you to do, he will give you the grace to do it. So, How does Mary do this? What does Mary do? Mary conceived God's purpose for her life by faith in God's word. See, grace is something God does. Faith is something we do. Mary didn't just sit back passively and say, oh, okay, right? She had to, by faith, receive what God had promised her. So then we go to verse 34, and Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? I'm a virgin. I'm engaged. How in the world is this going to work? Like mechanically, how is this going to work? I don't actually believe she was doubting God here. I actually think she was trying to figure out how she was going to physically conceive the Messiah. Like, how would this actually work? So then you go into verse 35, and it says, And the angel answers her. So she asks him a question. Now he's answering her. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. So a virgin conceiving naturally is impossible. Her cousin Elizabeth, who would have been in the 60s, 70s, carrying a child to full term, is naturally impossible. But God is telling her here, that both of those miracles I'm going to do in your family are impossible, but with me, the impossible is possible. And that's what he's trying to tell us here. And then it says, and Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So Mary's response, yes, She says yes. And I think some people need to hear that here tonight. Out there in the sanctuary, she says, yes, I am here to serve you. I receive that and I'm going to believe the promise of God. The word of God will come to pass in my life. That's faith. So Mary responded to the grace of God by faith in the word of God. And God's got all kinds of amazing things that he has provided for you and for your family. Jesus on the cross provided healing. 
He has promised restoration, protection, deliverance. And there are many things in the Bible that God wants to do in each of our lives, in you, in your family. But we have to not just passively hear those things anymore. We need to have faith to receive them and to act on them by faith. Mary took it and said, let it be according to your word. She said yes. She received it. This faith-filled woman, she had the faith to believe that God could do the impossible in her family and use her to bring forth the savior of the entire world. Like, wow, like that is powerful. And when we receive anything from God, we receive it by grace. So in Ephesians 2, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Not a result of work, so that no one can boast. Grace is God's part. Faith is our response. What is God giving you grace for in your life, but you haven't yet taken it by faith? It's time for us to rise up and to take those impossible things that God has promised us. So then we continue, verse 39. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that my mother of my, lo- my Lord should come to me? For behold, when you sound of your greeting comes to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. So Pastor Joel pointed this out to us when we were talking this week. She gets up with haste. Like, she didn't waste no time. She gets up with haste. Like, such faith. And then he pointed out that it's not just around the corner or across Saskatoon City in a car. She has to go miles and miles to get to Elizabeth. Like, that demonstrates the faith. And Mary's faith caused the Spirit of God to move in the rest of her family. Because of Mary's faith and Mary's belief and willingness to accept what God said to her, the anointing on her life inspired the purpose and destiny in her family's life. As soon as she got into that room with Elizabeth, and Elizabeth, who is pregnant with John the Baptist, uh, Jesus' cousin, And she's going to give birth in about three months because they told her she's about six months pregnant. As soon as Mary comes in, she felt the baby move for the first time because the Holy Spirit that was on Mary stirred the gift and the grace that was in Elizabeth. And what God does, and I've said this before to many people, when God saves somebody, don't go and just preach to them. And tell them all the things that they should and and shouldn't do. Let the grace and the favor of God in your faith be the example. Carry the presence of God on you. And when you get into a relationship or you get into a room, the spirit of God that's on you will like spirit, like it'll stir things up in everyone around you. It is absolutely amazing. 
your love and faith in God will begin to stir the destiny in your family as well if you carry that with you. Let God use you as you walk in favor and grace by faith. Because God's got a plan for you. He's got a plan for your family. He's got a plan for whoever you're thinking in your head that you think there's no way anything good's going to come. He's got a plan for that person too. And we need to believe that. And there's so much more that I could tell, talk to you about Mary. That's the problem here. But I will tell you, as I look through the rest of her life, she, I mean, it, there's not a lot about Mary, but she obviously had difficult circumstances. She is going to see her son crucified on a cross. Okay? I'm a parent. I'm a mother. Picture that. Picture that. Take away the Savior part right now. That's her child on the cross, bearing the sins for so many people. And she somehow was able to walk by faith and trust God. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up, and I'm going to close with this today. Church history says that the Apostle John brought Mary with him to Ephesus in the last years of Mary's life. She lived with Apostle John, and she had a home there and was part of his church, which actually was Apostle Paul's church first, which was a huge, massive church. Anyways, and people would come and ask her questions. Can you imagine what that would be like as a mother first, okay? Your son, you have seen die a horrific death. All the stories, all the gossip, and now everybody's coming to talk to you about your son. And like asking you things like, what was he like? And what was it like to raise a perfect child? Because none of us have done that yet. <laughs> um, you know, and her faith was strong enough to get her through all of these difficult circumstances. And I believe that we do need to recognize Mary, that she was a big, huge, massive part of God's plan to save the human race. She was a woman of strength. She was a woman of God, a woman of faith. But you want to know what her last recorded words in scripture are? Whatever he tells you, do it. Whatever he tells you, do it. And that's in John 2.5. In other words, her focus was never on her. She didn't say, pray to me. She didn't say, I will answer your prayers. She said, follow focus on him and I think we need to hear those last words of Mary this Christmas season just do it because it is so much more than a holiday and her life points to Jesus I desperately want my life to point to Jesus I desperately want you to never see me up here only see him that's my goal and I believe that's what Mary would have wanted too her faith was in Jesus she's the mother of the savior of the world she was saved by the savior of the world and we all need to follow him we all need him like what an incredible story of faith and when the fullness of time doesn't that mean so much more when the fullness
fullness of time, not a moment too soon, not a moment too late, the exact right time Jesus was born. The Christmas story is so much more than a holiday. So let's pray together. Uh, if you're in the sanctuary with us today, I invite you to stand. If we're going to go into a time of worship. And I just want to pray for everybody out there today. Um, whatever he says, do it. Whatever he says, just do it. Father God, I, I thank you for the holiday season. I even thank you for all the things that we do not need. I thank you for the traditions, and I thank you for family and food and all those glorious, wonderful things that you give us, Father. And I thank you that no matter what is happening in this season around us, that this holiday season can still be exactly what it's supposed to be, that we can put our faith in you. So, Father, I pray that everyone who is listening here, whether they know you or they don't, maybe this is the first time they're going to put their faith in you, or maybe you need to reclaim it, but I want everyone out here to hear this in their hearts and their souls. Put your faith and trust in Jesus. That when we come out of this season, we're going to come out stronger and closer to Christ than ever. That is what I'm declaring over this neighborhood church, that when we come out the other side, it is going to mean more of him and less of us. And I thank you today for your grace, Father. And I thank you that there's nothing that I can even do to earn it. Father, stir up something today in each of us to take those promises and have faith that they will come to be in our lives. Father, revive our passion, renew our lives, get, stir up our souls that all we want to do is get alone and hear you whisper sweet nothings in our ear, Father. Lord, and let us say yes like Mary did. Faithfully walk out whatever you ask of us, Father. Revive our hearts. Fill us with love, Father. Like so much love, I can't even contain it. It's just going to pour all over the place. Father, I trust you, and I want to follow you, and I worship you. I exalt your name above every other name. Father, let your face be seen in us this Christmas here to worship you and to serve you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are so thankful that you've listened in to the Neighborhood Church Podcast. If you have questions or comments about what you've heard, we would love to hear from you. Go to the podcast description and follow the link to get in touch with us. Everything we do would not be possible without your generosity. If you would like to give, check out that same link in the podcast description. If you have enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with your friends. Thank you again for listening. God bless you.